Hey patrons, welcome to your bonus episode uh, for 262. This is the extended interview with Eric Lindstrom. Uh, just, I, I feel like I do little check-ins here, but it's in a, we're in a weird place. I'm planning the India trip, but there's really nothing to do yet. Well, I don't know. I've been doing, it all just feels so nebulous. I, I'm in the middle of, this is, I guess I'm a week and a half into this three-week musical theater summer camp that I'm teaching. I don't know if you can hear the scratchiness in my voice. I've been singing and um, speaking loudly over, oh my gosh, and yawning <laughs> over these kids. It's really fun. And the kids are, uh, we've had some really interesting breakthroughs with the kids, which is sort of unusual. Maybe I'm being a little more, um, uh, uh, I'm fixing this mic a little, a little more, I don't know. I, I'm engaging with my teaching more lately. Um, and really imagining, you know, having an effect on these kids and their creativity, um, which is kind of great. So there have been some big breakthroughs with these kids. It's actually really cool. Um, and we do a performance at the end of each week. Anyway, that's all that is to say. I, I don't have a lot of creative work um, updates because it's really exhausting doing these summer camps, especially days like today when I was there like the entire day. And uh, so let's just... Uh, yeah, I, I applied for a grant to help pay for the India trip. That's really pretty much all the behind the scenes work with my stuff that's happened. Um, arranging podcast interviews. This is really mundane. Why don't we go right into, uh, I gotta say like, so this feels like a super safe space. Cause not a lot of people that, I mean, this isn't released publicly. This just goes, goes to you guys, the patrons. So, um, y'all this, uh, I am struggling with the dating. It's really hard. <laughs> and um, I don't want to really, I guess there's nothing more to say than, wow. It's like, I, I took a long time off and uh, from dating, like 20 years. And it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard figuring out like what I want, what the other person is doing and releasing that person from whatever it is they're doing. Oh shit, it's hard. <laughs> It's really hard. I'm really struggling. I start therapy next week. It was going to be this week, but I sort of, I'm, I'm, yeah. So I feel weird talking about it here. I've been talking about it to my friends a lot. Oh God, it's really hard, <laughs> but it's going to be interesting. I'm like, assuming this dating thing keeps going, the, the guy that I'm dating through the time that I'm in India, I have this sort of premonition that that is somehow going to be folded into whatever I write about being in India. Like something about that experience of being older, which I am, I guess, and being out of the country in a totally foreign place where it's sure to be a huge culture shock and dealing with like my kind of uh, neediness in dating and being gone for a month from that and in a whole new place. Like, is it going to be an awakening where I figure it out and maybe get out from under how this is. I feel with the dating thing a lot of the time, or is it going to implode while I'm gone or nothing? Like it's a whole new layer on my life that Holy shit. <laughs> like it's a big deal. Um, so it's exciting. There's some beautiful things, beautiful, beautiful. It's like, and the thing that's really interesting and wow, do you really care about this? I guess uh, I, the thing that's really great is all of this, like the fact that I'm dating and the fact that I have a roommate now and all this stuff I sort of came to fruition during my um, tour last summer when I was on my own 
quote unquote, and realize, oh, I'm not on my own. Like I had connections of you people here on Patreon who were, you know, supporting me uh, energetically and financially, honestly, I mean, obviously. Um, but there were people all along the way who like provided spaces for me, who helped me promote my work, who helped me do the things that I was doing. Like, and, and that summer was really transformational and it made me realize, oh, after all this time of, of pretending that I didn't want to be connected to anyone, like that, oh, wow, whether I like it or not, I am connected. <laughs> and people want to be connected. And I don't know. So anyway, I came back and I was like, wow, okay, I think I want to be connected to people now. <laughs> so I started to be. And then I started dating. And then like everything is more open and beautiful. But that means like everything feels like a bigger risk, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, uh, I think I was afraid of being afraid to lose something. So I just didn't allow myself to have anything. But it's weird. I'm thinking about all this Buddha stuff lately. Oh, my God. Everything is going nuts. Um, I'm getting texts. I just got a text from the guy. Um, what was I going to say? I, I, I hope it's okay that I'm leaving this like this. <clears throat> so, you know, all this time I, I tried to not be connected because I didn't want to be connected because it was out of fear of being connected and losing because the last relationship I had was a huge, it was painful. Um, and I didn't want to have pain, so I just didn't have relationships, which meant friendships either. And I had friendships, but not close. So now, anyway, I'm in all this like crazy, oh, God, what's going to happen? And fear and recognizing the fear and trying to get out from under it, but then being afraid of what happens if I let go. If I let go, maybe everything's gone. And then it doesn't matter because nothing really is here and everything is here. So that's where I'm at <laughs> with that. Here's the interview. If that made any sense to anyone, feel free to send me, say hi. Like, wow. Yeah, because it's like I shut off that whole part of me. And then I was like, oh, all right, let me try turning this back on. It's like, and it, it came on. So beautiful. I'm bonding with my friends in ways I haven't maybe ever as a result of openness but also as a result of openness and being in a dating thing, holy shit, like, I feel really fucked up a lot of the time. <laughs> like, a lot of the time. And not like I'm going to jump off a bridge fucked up, but I need to get in therapy fucked up. Uh, yeah. But it's good, right? Like, figuring that shit out, like, even at 49. Now that I'm 49, I keep trying to round, just round it up to 50. <laughs> Are you doing that too? Like anyone, it, it, this all feels weird and beautiful. The fact that I'm just saying this into a microphone that probably is not going to be heard, <laughs> but it feels sort of uh, refreshing. Anyway, I feel good. Um, but really everything is magnified because it's, you know, like, um, have you ever had a cast and like that you, 
when you take it off or like a bandage, something wrapped around a big part of your, your body and you take it off and when you touch it, like everything that hadn't been touched for a long time is like really intensely feeling it. I feel like that's what's happening to me. And that's a beautiful thing, right? Because it's uncovered and like it can be the thing that it is, you know, like whatever a feeling is, if you, um, if you somehow make it a thing instead of a non thing. So that's it. Like that, like we'll just call it my heart has been crusted over by with my like, I guess, bitterness, jadedness, fear, all of those things. And somehow I finally was like, okay, and took that off. And now my heart is like, oh shit, not ready for this. You've been protecting me and now you're not. Um, it's about nine minutes of whatever this is I was just saying. This is actually a really fun episode because saying this stuff, I don't know. I got to talk it out because it's in my head. And like, I, I talk about it with friends, like just the surface level things, you know, like the, the fears of the dating stuff, you know, the fear of what if and that like, and Oh, he, this, and Oh, I did that. And, but this is like, (laughs) uh, something else. God, everything's beeping. I just got another text and yeah. So that's this episode. And here comes <laughs> completely unrelated. Here's my conversation with uh, Eric Lindstrom, which is actually really fun too. And maybe it's going to make a little more sense. Did this make sense? Did you listen to this? I'll, I'll put a note saying the interview starts at 10 minutes in, which is right now. Hello, patrons. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Eric C. Lindstrom, for joining me for this bonus interview. Hello. There, yeah, I'm so great. I love a good bonus. <laughs> yeah, bonus. It's, it's I was not like... expecting this. <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be really, really lit. <laughs> uh, I said that in a really bad way. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about your childhood, Eric. Okay. Um, I'm curious, and it's really, well, I won't tell you what most people say to this, but I usually get a surprising answer that isn't surprising anymore because most people have this answer. Um, Were you, was there, did you find yourself, considering your veganism, when -hmm. you were a kid, were you ever, did you consider yourself more sensitive to animals or more um, compassionate or, um, I can't think of the word, that word that starts with an E that means you pick up people's, evil, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, Um, this is, this becomes the bonus question. Yeah, this is just one of them. Yeah, this is interesting. Should I lay on a couch? <laughs> you don't have to go that deep. As I mean, you're doing you like a, a whole Fraser thing. <laughs> well, you know, you say it, and I can tell you that we had pets growing up. I mean, we always had a dog and one or two cats. Um, I probably kept a couple of critters in little terrariums that today I wouldn't. You know, like frogs and whatever. But I wasn't particularly um, uh, compassionate toward all animals. I didn't, I didn't make any kind of connection, uh, growing up. And that went into young adulthood, really. I mean, I would go to a zoo and not think anything of it. I would, you know, watch an animal, uh, suffering and not realize that they're suffering because they're in this small little enclosure. I grew up in Binghamton, New York, and there's a zoo there, Ross Park Zoo. It's actually one of the two or three oldest zoos in the country. And a lot of their cages at the time were like two by fours with chicken wire stapled to it. 
and they would stick something they caught in there and make a little sign. And he would just be like, oh, isn't that cool? There's a raccoon. Like that's support. You know, so you're supposed to be like excited about this. So I did I did was around a lot of animals uh, growing up. But I never I did a lot of fishing, which I really regret now as a vegan. Um, you know, I wasn't particularly compassionate toward animals other than than companion pets. Yeah, it's that's the answer I get from a lot oh. of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it always surprises me because I like some people have these stories where uh, there was a guy. Um, oh, what's this guy's name? He does a podcast called Species. It's a really great podcast, and I can't. I can't think of his name. Luckily, he's not a patron, so he won't know that I <laughs> forgot his name. He'll never hear this. <laughs> yeah, um, but he had this horrible story that, like, where he, when he was a kid, he saw a pig being slaughtered, and his dad made him participate. Wow. And that, like, that was what made him vegan. I guess that's slightly different, but it's related to the next question I wanted to ask, which was, when you, it, and tell me if I'm, if I understood this correctly, you went vegan, you know, th- you weren't thinking about animals when you did it, and during the course of of your being vegan, you started to sort of awaken to what animals were going through. And mm-hmm. it, that became a big part of why you're vegan. Was there any particular turning point in that period that really made you, that really stuck it for you? Well, there was two, actually. One was more sort of benign than the other. I was working for a timber frame company in, in Northern Pennsylvania. And I'd have to drive an hour to and from work. And up here in upstate New York, as you know, there's a lot of farms. And I can distinctly remember uh, I was then probably eight months into my veganism, um, finding my way with food and starting to make some connections to what I was actually doing and how it was impacting animals' lives. And so I, I drove past a, a pasture of cows, which I had driven by you know, for some 30 years uh, living around here. And I pulled over and I just sat and watched them. And I just watched them mingle with each other, you know, like socialize. What I felt they were doing was socializing. What I felt they were doing was not unlike seeing, you know, three or four dogs playing in their backyard or whatever. So they suddenly became uh, much more sort of sentient um, beings. They became animals that I felt um, deserved a happy life. And I mean that on every level from birth until death, that they deserve to live out their lives, that they don't deserve, of course, you know, to be impregnated and milked and slaughtered and everything that that's being done these days. But I really did feel like I made a connection that day with animals that I otherwise had never even considered anything other than like decorations, hill decorations, right? Yeah. And then shortly after that, I was on business in New York City and uh, I was coming back from an event uh, at Jacob Javits Center, and I was sitting on the bus waiting to leave to drive back. And I was looking down at this guy uh, who was eating chicken wings out of a styrofoam uh, container. And he was <laughs> so, I mean, to this day, it's at this point in my life, it feels so incredibly bizarre. But yeah. to watch him tearing meat off of a bone and then tossing the bones in the planter right next to him. The whole thing just felt so absolutely wrong. I mean, it felt so primal. It felt so like, and I was somebody who would have done that. Not not necessarily throw it into a planter, but definitely the ribs and the chicken wings and all of those things that I used to eat. I made this other connection that those those bones were holding up a a animal, you know, a, a creature. It was holding up. It was physically propping and making this this animal alive whether or not they lived a happy life is doubtful but they were alive right and so now all of a sudden there's this person 
who's tearing the bone, you know, tearing the, the, the meat off this bone of an animal. And it really hit me hard. And so those two events were pretty close, you know, in time with each other, a couple of months apart. And they were part of my turning point without a doubt. It, I, I, I can't, uh, as I said, ever imagine where I was today and I can only look forward and again, do everything I can to help people discover, uh, the, the value of veganism, do as much as I can in terms of outreach, everything I'm doing with compassion over killing now, uh, as far as trying to get as many people possible to, uh, understand and want to go vegan. It's so heavy. Like it's so, I had the same, I used to eat so much meat. I didn't even I, think about it. And like chicken wings. Oh, I know. I mean, think about, I mean, you just said it, but God, one of the last meals I ate, one of the last meals, one of the last non-vegan <laughs> meals I ate was fried chicken. It was one, I was in this phase where I was like, I knew I needed to go vegan. Um, it hadn't like sunk in really deep yet, but it was pretty deep. And there was one day that I was like, I'm going to, like, I would go from being vegan to like, I'm going to KFC. Fuck it. Like, and I don't yeah. know what that was about, but I went to KFC one day and I was eating fried chicken on the bone. And the whole time, like, this was when I was one of those days, like same kind of thing. Um, yeah, there was what a there's a here? yeah there's a thing in AA where they say like they talk about people who go to AA and then they go back to drinking and they're like their drinking was never the same because they had a belly full of liquor and a head full of AA. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same thing. I couldn't stop thinking about like oh this is body this is somebody's body, and yeah. I still kept eating it. But it was like you know what this is. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really we, trip. and we make that you know sort of uh, circling back to the new book a little bit. We make that connection with our kids all the time, and it may sound somewhat strange to some of the other parents when we point out that's a dead animal, that's a dead animal, that's a dead animal. We don't care, you know. Like we're yeah, we're actually they're they're open enough about it. They're smart enough to say we don't eat animals. Animals are our friends, and if I'm going through the store and pointing out. Because they'll say, what, what are these lobsters doing in this tank? And I'll explain it to them. Yeah. Other parents are like, well, you're going to really ruin that clam bake, aren't you? Or whatever. <laughs> I don't care. This is, you know, this is the truth. Someone has to tell them the truth. Yeah. Oh, God. That's a whole other topic. Those lobsters and tanks. It's so fucking I sad. I know. I know. Oof. I traveled a long distance to get there, too, to be stuck in this tank. And, and then they're just fucking languishing. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Lighter note. What's your favorite food in Ithaca or in general? Oh like yeah, favorite a, meal, favorite, I, yeah. That's a a good one, and I probably should have a super short answer for right. But um, I'm I'm always experimenting. I'm always either creating something new uh, for myself and the family. I love cooking. Um, that became a big turning point for me as well. Taking all of my old recipes that I used to make as an omnivore and turning them vegan. Um, and then I love to go out to eat. So we're lucky here in Ithaca because. Every restaurant has vegan options. Every restaurant knows the vegans are coming and the vegans are the ones that are going to choose where to eat. So with that said, we really only have one or two uh, vegan, dedicated vegan restaurants. One's called 10 Forward Cafe and then one's a place called Nikki Green right now. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, again, this is my confession, I guess, and I'm not going to apologize for it, but I'm still someone who will eat a grilled Reuben uh, if it came with fries, I'd be happier. But if you're going to force the side salad on me, I'll take it. Uh -huh. You know, um, I'm definitely a sandwich guy. Like my big thing now um, at home is to make a tofurkey bologna. Have you tried bologna, the tofurkey bologna? No. Oh, my gosh. Is it good? Half a package of that. <laughs> 
one slice of follow your heart smoked gouda, a bunch of lettuce because it looks uh-huh. better on the Instagram photo, <laughs> and then about a pound of mayo on this roll, on this big, huge Kaiser roll. And that is heaven to me. And so that's not uh, unlike everything that I was eating before. And yeah. so part of what I want to do, not only with the new show, but with my ongoing sort of vegan advocacy is to remind people that everything you ate before, you can still eat now. There's nothing that you can't veganize. And yeah. so uh, with that said, all of my old staples are still my my favorites today. Uh, love it. Those I used to have um, my next door neighbor when I was a kid. That I maybe I can vegan. I love like this is the thing I want to veganize. The his mom made bologna sandwiches just on white bread, which is bologna and Miracle Whip and American cheese, a slice of American Do cheese. Do it, man! Oh, God, All three of those things exist. Is right there a now. is there a vegan Miracle Whip tasting thing? Like, well, I you think know, has that sweetness? Yeah, I know. To me, veganaise because I eat so much <laughs> just mayo has a little bit yeah. more sweetness to it. So you'll find one of those hits that note. But yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, like yeah. what was that stuff? fucking nasty like <laughs> it's probably <laughs> vegan for all we know right yeah i wonder if it is it's, i haven't even bothered to look <laughs> i mean too ashamed i should post that on vegans of new york hey does anyone know if miracle whip is vegan yeah, just right. to get things going or make it out of the uh, aquafaba you'll figure it out no yeah. make that sand go get some tofurkey bologna put it on some white bread <laughs> slice it diagonally i'm telling you man you'll be in heaven and do yeah. that before you go to india Oh yeah, because gotta load up now. Yeah, maybe I'll wrap some up and pack them with me. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for doing this. I these bonus episodes always turn out better than the main episode. I know, right? Can you reverse yeah. them? Yeah, long? maybe I should. Maybe, or maybe I'll just keep telling people like I don't know. The, the good stuff is well, in the tag. The other one, the better interview is the Patreon one, and yeah, I'll have to subscribe. Maybe I should mix these questions you. up a little more. So there's a little more like I don't know, because I think these these questions are fun. Yeah, it's a yeah. More fun. Well, yeah. They're, they're fun and they're a little bit, to be honest with you, as the uh, recipient, they're a little tiny bit nerve wracking, but you're oh, so yeah. easy to talk to that it works. Because I imagine there's some people who don't like being put on the spot and be like, oh yeah. shit, what am I going to say? But yeah, yeah, I think we did a good job there. Right on. Cool. All right. <laughs> Thanks for doing Thank it. Thank you, Michael.